You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys, and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geeks Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geeks Watch. We are here talking about the Mandalorian on our 201st episode. That's right. We made it past 200, everybody. <laughs> Let's hear that round of applause. <laughs> We're glad you're here to join us once again. We're going to get back into a regular episode of talking about our week's watch and we're going to get into the sixth episode of the second season of the Mandalorian on Disney plus chapter 14, the tragedy. There's a lot of title to this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> too much. And I'm a co-leading Cambria fan and I think there's too much. Title. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this, this harkens back to star Wars episode one, the Phantom Menace stuff kind of stuff, right? Nope. Okay, yeah. cool. We'll move on. <laughs> the original trilogy, the sequel trilogy, the prequel trilogy, episode two. <laughs> Everything. But Star Wars, Rogue One. As always. We'll, nobody knows. Nope. Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into uh, our week's watch. So, Elizabeth, what did you watch this week? Uh, I watched courtesy of Mitch turning it on the television because I'm incapable of actually watching new things on my own. Uh, <laughs> the Movies That Made Us, a new documentary series on Netflix. We watched the first episode, Dirty Dancing. I think you went on to watch Ooh. more episodes, but I thoroughly enjoyed it because I love that movie. Mitch does not like that movie. Uh, well, I have- well have you seen Havana Nights? I have not <laughs> seen Havana, Havana Nights. I've watched the the made-for-TV sequel that they had with um, Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, it wasn't Abigail quite. A, it wasn't a sequel. It was like a remake, basically. Oh, that's right, yeah, remake. Yeah. That's what I meant. Havana, yeah, Havana Nights, which this... I think was a made-for-TV actual sequel that everybody <laughs> wants to forget. <laughs> I mean, at least that one had Patrick Swayze in it. Oh yeah, I think it did. This is true. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I, I haven't seen it, but I knew he how he ended up there. <laughs> well, he had a, he was run out of America because he was you know having intercourse <laughs> with a child in the Hamptons or whatever it, it was. A child was she eighteen? I'm pretty sure. Was Do baby it, at eight, like, was baby of legal age? Baby was yeah. of legal age, but the age I, difference was. A bit much. Yeah, exactly. For the time, for her being a young, but I'm pretty sure she was. 18. She was. I she was, was 18. Said. I don't yeah. remember. That was the whole point of the movie. I thought. Yeah, 
She was 18. <laughs> it's been a while since like I've the, watched it. The 1960s, so that's like legal, right? Or something? I don't know. Sure. I mean, how did Indiana time? Jones come out? <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, it was highly in, in, interesting to kind of get the behind the scenes and a lot of the interpersonal dynamics between the different players between producers and writers and the fact that this whole movie came about over a lunch between the writer and the producer. Mm-hmm. And I can like, did? yeah, like the whole thing came about, they were to the writer, the lady writer, the lady writer had written this you, movie because yeah. it was, she had written a few movies and, and it this was, this was, a take on something that had happened to her. Kind of. Yeah. And so then she sat down with a friend of hers who was like, yeah, I'll produce this movie. I'll figure out how to find the people. Like, we'll just, we'll get this handled. And then apparently like the final, the final song, the big song, everybody knows time of your life, time of your life Mm -hmm. was picked out the night before they shot the scene. (laughs) And it was the last cassette in a, paper bag of cassettes that the songwriter had sent them. Yeah, yep, that's right. <laughs> John, you watched wow. this, didn't you? What the heck? You watched this uh, docu- docu-series, didn't you? Yes, I did, and I'll have some more details on the uh, my, my turn, but <coughs> yes, that is correct. Okay. Uh, I. Uh, oh, shoot, did I take your week's watch? No, no, uh, I, it, it's related to this, but it's not the what you watched. Yeah, he watched the the holiday, the holiday one, right? One, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's an interesting story. <laughs> About a lovely lady? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, although I do think my favorite part was Mitch's reaction to the discussion about uh, the line, nobody puts baby in a corner. Baby in a corner. Because they have the same, they, they talk about the same thing that I talk about whenever I hear that line. It makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> And apparently nobody really cared for the line nope. or cared about the line. Mm. It was just kind of a throwaway line, but it's the Wait, one line it? in the movie that everybody remembers. Yeah. Why does the line not make sense? Because one, she's not in a quarter corner and two, like, what are you Isn't talking it? about? Nobody puts baby. No one has been putting baby in a quarter throughout the whole movie. But I, She's I in trouble. They were because That's they backed were all into a corner on her older sister. So they shoved her in the corner and just be like, baby, shut up until she made a mistake. And then dad was like, you made a mistake. Now you do not make fun of Jerry Orbach ever. And then when they <laughs> her, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's making fun of his character. Not the actor, but. The man is a national treasure. <laughs> and then they shove her in the corner again and think she's going to behave again. And they want her to not dance the dirty dancing song. So yeah, they are. It's a metaphorical. Uh, even loosely, that's, that's a very loose metaphorical, metaphorical corner. Like it's, I, I think you're grasping. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be a really far-flung pun on her name. Like, a, the little kid goes in the corner when they're in trouble. Yeah, kind of like that. But I'm also it, talking it, as a person who's never seen this movie yet. <laughs> That's it. This is the next Ghostbusters. <laughs> oh, no. Um, no, the part that got me during the documentary or during the episode is the 18 plus times that Patrick Squazy had to jump off the stage and land on his knee, which he had blown out in high school playing football. So he like was just 
in agonizing pain and as a person who's blown out his knee i know that pain (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so it was it was a good watch i i found it engaging but not too difficult like it wasn't so packed that i could that i had difficulty following or catching everything but it had some very interesting tidbits that i otherwise didn't know so that's on netflix yeah i only went on to watch one more episode i watched the home alone episode which was really cool too to hear christopher columbus and john hughes talk about that movie or well not john hughes but people talk about john hughes because john hughes is dead anyways uh lighthearted for this evening's recording i did i'm sorry uh but yes that is on the movies that made us is on netflix on netflix uh, Jessica, what did you watch this week? Um, well, I ended up watching with my mom, Godmother, Godmothered. You Godmother oh. too. Disney Plus. You watched it too? Yeah. I, it was, it, it was adorable. It is very much a Disney Hallmark movie, I guess, if I could say it in any way. Like, it's adorable. It's got magic in it. It's not edited great (laughs) like there were just like some storytelling things that didn't quite make a lot of sense like if i had like one extra scene or if something was cut a little different might have made more sense just storytelling wise do you magic making real like it's never gonna make sense but like i never it was it was cute i think it was adorable yeah i didn't get around to watching it (laughs) um i had seen the trailer and one i was already like I'm a fan of Jillian Bell's, so that was kind of cool. But like Isla Fisher coming out of nowhere to to be in a movie again, which seemed weird to be this be the movie. But did you feel like this was supposed to come out in theaters as like a maybe more of a PG thirteen movie? No, no, No? it was supposed to be a Disney Plus Hallmark Disney movie. Yeah, that's it. Was that all around family? Hey, it's Christmas. Come sit and watch this. Like like a step above a Disney Channel movie kind of thing okay so like, like around it, the straight to straight to vhs sequel yeah quality of something no, i wouldn't even put that far it, it's right there next to like the princess protection program with selena gomez and Demi Lovato. it's not <laughs> See, it's even not even that. as far as like the return of jafar <laughs> <laughs> but but is it so is it like what about like noel which came out last year on disney plus with uh allison brie is that right? I don't no, know that's uh, Noelle is with um, Anna Kendrick. Andrew Kendrick, thank you, yes. Yeah. Um, oh, a name I remembered over you. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but mm, that one was slightly better, Okay, I think. But- it was definitely better edited or written or, or something. Or Anna Kendrick just acted the hell out of it like she does. But, um <laughs> But it's not that the acting was bad or anything on this. It was just some of the storytelling was just kind of wonky. And it was just, I still quite enjoyed watching it. It was a great watch still with my mom. And just, I recommend it if you want to like chill with your family and watch something you don't have to think too much about. Definitely watch Godmothered. It's got some great jokes in it. (laughs) (laughs) So is it all Christmas themed? It, it happens around Christmas. Yeah, it's it's not like Christmas is the central theme of it, but Christmas is going on as it is happening. So it's mm-hmm. it's like Die Hard. 
more than that, but not by a lot. Yeah, (laughs) basically, like there's some decorating scenes and stuff. There's some mention of Christmas, but it's not like you actually open presents. (laughs) 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 Yeah, there you go. Okay, I like it. it Reunited um, two of the main stars for Britney runs a marathon. I like I like seeing that. That was cool. It's who else was in. Britney loves a marathon. Now the, runs a marathon. The, the guy who plays the head of the news station. Uh, he, he was the other the guy that was in the like Airbnb place. In Britney runs a marathon. Uh, nope, I'm forgetting. The, the the guy that she has like like her romantic interest in the movie. Oh, okay. He, oh, he doesn't have a beard. This one, he looks awful. And <laughs> he runs a marathon. I was like, okay, no, no, yeah, I see his weird like I don't know like. Tiny man charm. The dude, yeah, I, the dude that was from Pitch Perfect, the first one. I would pronounce his name, but I'm not going to try to pronounce his name because <laughs> it's going to be know. very wrong. It's like, uh, she's going to try. Karsh, no, I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's U T K A R S H. Like I don't, I can't. I'm sorry. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, I feel bad because I try to learn new languages and stuff, and I'm like, I cannot look at that and read it. I need to learn more. That's fair. Languages, it's okay. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> did you have a, another watch that you did, or was that it? Um, I suppose one I kind of want to mention. Um, I watched actually when I was traveling. I was stuck in an airport for like a whole day pretty much and I watched an old movie that I had watched a long time ago that's an old Clark Gable movie called Arsenic and Old Lace oh um it came out in 1944 it's like a crime comedy with a younger Clark Gable and it's basically the story of this guy who's a bachelor writes in I guess in at the in the paper about how much how great bachelor is and how horrible marriage is. And naturally it begins with him getting married in a courthouse kind of thing. And as he's about to try to go off on his honeymoon, he finds out that his two aunts that he has grown up with apparently are also serial killers. (laughs) And they hide bodies in the basement and it's just, it's absolutely hilarious. It's one of those great, wonderful black and white classics that I highly recommend to people. It's just, it's Clark. Yeah. It's, it's just wonderful. I've seen the stage version of that. Interesting. Ah. Yeah. Is it so, funny too, the stage version, or is it serious? No, no, no it's very funny. It's it's very oh, okay. comedic. So I feel like that title was the answer to one of our trivia nights once that we were all stumped on. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but it's like Clark Gable. It's Cary Grant. I said Cary Grant. Yeah, you, you said Clark Gable, but okay, yeah, it was Cary Grant. It's Cary Grant. I was like, I said the wrong name. To Sorry, I'm running on low sleep. It's Cary Grant, by the way. He is wonderful. And I also did watch another one on a flight um, with him and Audrey Hepburn called Charade. And that one was good, too. Yes. And I think they Charade. remade that recently, too. Really? I want to say they did. I don't know if I would like a remake of it. I feel like it's definitely one of those movies that's set in the, its time. Like um, the movie The Women that they recently remade a few years ago. Like it worked when it was in 
the older times when it was harder to get a divorce. Mm -hmm. I don't think I don't see that story working and it didn't seem to work as well when I watched bits and pieces of it in a more modern film where it's perfectly normal for a woman to get a divorce kind of thing. Which mm. the women is another wonderful movie that people should watch because the women is entirely made up of women. There is no men on the show on the movie at all. You don't ever see men at all. There's not even one casted male actor. Is the you like that? in yeah. the in the the charade? What's mm-hmm. the the name of the of the male character in that? Uh, the name of him. I have to look it up. I watched it like. So that one is a 1963 movie charade. The male character is Peter Joshua is the character name. Oh, okay. Then I don't think it's the movie I was thinking of. Uh, well, there you go. So those were those available on like the airplane? No, we um, download movies onto a tablet before we go on trips in case we don't get the free Wi-Fi or anything on a flight. So. <laughs> We, we had pre-downloaded them off of, I think, Google Play, and I don't think they were free anywhere for download or upload. Then they're available on Google Play, and Godmother yeah. is on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. John, what did you watch this week? Uh, so, going back to that, I watched the holiday movies that made us. Um, I like that series. I like the toys that made us, the movies that made us. Um, I hope they come out with the the songs that made us at some point. Yes. And I will go into like a deep dive of that. Yeah. But um, yeah, this season or at least so far what they've released is only two episodes for at least the movies that made us. I think it was four. And mm. I think the toys that made us were like six per, per our like the six for each season. But this um, holiday one is only elf and the nightmare before Christmas right now. Wow. Interesting. Wow. Does it, it add or distract? Because The Nightmare Before Christmas was also done by um, the Prop Culture show on Disney Plus, too. There's, well, there, there's definitely a little bit of overlap, but they're focusing mm-hmm. on two separate parts of it completely. Oh. And it's much more, I mean, they talk to Danny Elfman quite a bit. Um, uh, basically, since Tim Burton, the, the behind the scenes of that is that he just had an idea to do that since like the early 80s. Um, and then once he finally started getting some clout with Batman, they basically gave him a blank check. It was like, okay, you can do whatever you want with this. He was like, oh, okay, I want to do this story. But he was busy working on Batman Returns. So he put everyone in key roles, like in charge of it, like out of his hands. Like he basically had nothing to do with it till the movie was almost done. Wow. Uh, yeah, he was very, very hands off. He basically just let everybody like do their thing because he trusted everybody. And it's really interesting just listening to like how everyone's contribution added to it. Like Danny Elfman was actually very auto uh, autobiographical with the songs that he included. Like the the Pumpkin King song that he wrote was all about him being sick of being in a band, basically. Yeah. And and he just transposed it to Jack no longer wanting to be the Pumpkin King. It's just really, really cool. Um, and like yeah, it's really cool. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, the screenwriter, um, which was a lady that worked with him prior on Edward Scissorhands, um, originally didn't have the job to do the script, but they needed somebody last minute, so they kind of got her. She just happened to be dating Danny Elfman at the time as well, just totally <laughs> coincidentally. 
And <laughs> she basically added the entire character of Sally to the story. Before then, she was basically just like a prop. There wasn't really any purpose for her. And the screenwriter gave her like all these little moments of, you know, interaction with the other characters and some motivation, which is really, really cool. But what I wanted to touch up on just in general with this series of the movies that made us and so on is the fact that we don't even realize, maybe more so now, but like so many of these properties, it's even a miracle that they get made. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like they stumble out into like the theater in, in some cases and like things are changing constantly. One of my favorite details about Home Alone is that it originally started as a Warner Brothers joint and then they dropped it like halfway through. Ooh. And then Fox was like, hey, we'll, we'll fit the bill. You just keep shooting. And all they did was just change their crew shirts. Yeah, but you got you to gotta talk about the fact that like they were talking to Fox before they even were dropped by Warner Brothers, like which was completely illegal. Oh, well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you can say that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They just didn't know. And yeah, so that was really cool. Um, Confession time. I've never seen Elf. Really? It's okay. It's bad. Just don't do it. It's not bad. It's good. Well, I actually actually really want to see it now after I saw the behind the scenes stuff of it. I mean, you you like John Favreau stuff, obviously. You're watching The Mandalorian. Yeah. And this is particularly why, because this is this feels like it's the the genesis of his like stretching his creative like freedom, and like being able to be the person that he is now. A lot of these things, like Chris Columbus making Home Alone, basically got him the first two Harry Potter movies because he even brought John Williams with him to it. So like to see how a lot of these things, the fact that they even worked out to begin with. And then also acted as these incredible stepping stones to even bigger things. You know, like in retrospect, you're like, whoa, like this makes a great story. But while it's happening, it just looks like chaos is ensuing. <laughs> like you wouldn't think that any of it is leading to anything. You just described the creative process in general. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, that's, yeah. That's like, about I, it. I, I wouldn't know. I'm just like enjoying the finished product. <laughs> For for this one, um, the way that you described the beginning of it, um, where it was that everyone got to basically do the thing that they were assigned to do with no oversight, like, well, it's a little different because there is still some oversight. Um, honestly, that kind of sounds like the development of uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Like, no one really had any, any big stock mm-hmm. in that. And so they just got to make this the best product possible with that team. Yeah. It turns out you get good things a lot of the times when that happens. Yeah, if you set creativity free, it tends to give you some great stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have, have a better fun. album than American Idiot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> was it a better producer? No, no just young. No yeah. restrictions. Yeah, they hadn't sold out yet. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that was basically my week's watch, just the continuation of that same docuseries on Netflix. Give it a shot if you like anything having to do with the filmic process, uh, behind-the-scenes drama, um, or just they're, they're shot in a very entertaining way. They're not dry at all. They're very well-edited, um, entertaining, and you know definitely kind of keeps you guessing because they'll, they'll do these suspenseful, uh, you know, 
let's make a deal type of thing where they'll pause right on a really important thing that's about to happen. And then they'll just disregard it for like the rest of the time until like they bring it back up at a relevant point. It was like, oh, and remember this. Well, guess <laughs> what? And then something revealed about something that was kind of cool. <laughs> All right. So uh, once again, the movies that made us holiday edition is on Netflix. Steven, what did you watch this week? Uh, I guess as far as watching things go, uh, I've just <laughs> been devouring his dark materials. Ooh. Because, I keep seeing uh, ads contrary for that. to what I keep seeing ads for that. Yeah, I, I kept getting served these ads and I couldn't have cared less until the day where I just had nothing going on and I got to sit down and watch I think like the first three episodes, um, which I do think was important for my viewing experience. If I had just stopped after the first episode, I would have stopped, stopped. Is that the polar bear one? Yep. yep. It's the okay. it's the golden compass. It's the okay. golden compass. Yeah, it's the golden yeah. compass. Okay. <laughs> Explains yeah. why they keep I couldn't that. read the book when I was in middle school. I could not get into that book. Maybe I should try again, though. The, the series is good. Um, I really think they set up a lot of interesting things. It's still supposed to be dark subject matter. And boy, was it hard to sidestep saying dark material. Right now. <laughs> um, it, it's darker subject matter. But at uh-huh. the same time, it never feels... It's not like watching Game of Thrones or a lot of other things where there's darker subjects. Like, I'm not just like, I don't, I don't just feel like shit afterwards. Like, I watch a thing and I still have a good time. And at the end of the day, I don't really worry that anyone's really going to get, like, messed up. Like, the main character is going to be okay. Everything that's happened, it'll be fine. Okay. So it, it's, pretty, it's pretty nice, like, light emotional investment kind of viewing. Um, past that... The real thing that I want to talk about this week is a comic book that came out today on this day of recording. That is this comic here, Homesick Pilots. It's from Image. Um, it just came out. Uh, the people behind this one, uh, the names on the front, we've got Waters, uh, Wingard, Bidikar, and Muller. Um, it's freaking awesome. And there's no way for me to accurately summarize this thing and make it sound good to the greater portion of people. Mm. But if you like any of the things that that there were in Deadly Class and Scott Pilgrim, mm. this will be a fun time for you. Um, okay. It's only the first issue, so I don't want to say too many things that are kind of spoilery things. You only get so many pages inside of an issue of, of the thing. And outside of like a press release, there's not too many details either. But there are a lot of mysteries that they've already set up for characters in this one. Music is a heavy involvement. The dialogue is snappy. If for a comic book, it reads really, really well and with this really cool pace. And there's this one scene in here that they have in like, I think it's actually like the middle spread of the middle of the book where there's two sets of characters who are independently going through a house on these different floors. Um, One group of people go in through the top floor of the front, like the second story of the place. And the other group comes in through the kitchen window of the ground floor. They, they work towards each other and you can functionally read it in either direction and have it work as a scene. They they do a cutaway of the house. It's a really cool set piece inside of a comic book for them to have done. That's really cool. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I don't know. I don't want to say too much 
about it and give away too many things because there's not a lot that happens in this first issue that wouldn't be spoiled by me saying what happens okay, or what the pitch of it is. Now, I remember before we talked about comic book series that came out recently, more like comic book shows and movies that came out recently, mm-hmm. and you felt that comic book was made just for the sake of making the show. Do you feel that for this or no. is it just really just its own? I don't know how you would adapt this one. Okay. That's <laughs> yeah. <cool>. I, <laughs> like, there's, there's not much of a way. The, the thing that I kind of st- strayed away from saying, uh, because it's going to rub everyone the exact wrong way, oh, is no. that these, this group of people, these kids, they're all orphans. Uh, and through whatever situation, they're essentially, they end up in some way, shape, or form piloting these haunted houses like, like mechs. Oh, no, it's that sounds very flippin' cool. You know what so you is? think that sounds nope. great. Mitch and Beth, on the other hand, that I could not have said anything that sounds further from what they want to I would have to know what a mech is for me to have an opinion. Yeah, Jet Robots, Gundams. Gundam is not going to be a word she, she knows either. Um... <laughs> Dude, Did you see Pacific Rim? Pacific nope. Rim. Pacific Rim is the best one. Power yeah, Rangers. Power Rangers. Yeah, Power Rangers. So a person inside together. of a big robot. That Iron Giant. Robot. <laughs> <laughs> Iron Giant. <laughs> but yeah, hey, so they, they pilot these. Guillermo del Toro on that. Guillermo del Toro has mech experience and he likes spooky stuff. It's it's a perfect match. Honestly, I I would I would love that so much if that happened. He, I, he it, it. it reminds me, um, if anyone's like a big internet person, there was that... Um, Dart that was going around for a long time that was all of the Teen Titans as kind of like casual characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Starfire, Starfire is wearing like a NASA shirt or something like oh, that. I guess that was one of the things where I was like, I could cosplay that and I still have yet to cosplay it. <laughs> it's uh, you can do Gabriel Pakulo, right? Or huh? Huh? the the artist, isn't it like Gabriel Pakulo? Yes. Yeah. Uh, this reminds me of that in a big way. Okay. But they also have a series coming out. I don't remember the name. Sorry. But yeah. So I don't know. That's, that's pretty much it for me. Um, go go pick up Homesick Pilots. It's in your local comic book stores right now from Image Comics. Uh, uh, not if you live in Yuma. Yeah. Well, that's other. <laughs> you got to get a little little higher local, <laughs> larger local. Uh, okay. For my week's watch, uh, I had two movies that I wanted to talk about. So in the way that modern horror movies... Uh, like to overtly show that they are uh, not just, or that they are about another subject outside of their, of just just being a scary movie. Um, like how it follows is 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 basically masquerading as uh, sexually transmitted disease. Um, what? Yeah, uh-huh. the Bomba Duke is schizophrenia. Um, uh-huh. What was the one from Jordan Peele? The first one. Get out. Get out. Yeah. yeah, and that's cultural appropriation. Um, the relic from this year is about Alzheimer's, but done in a oh. super scary way. Oh. Uh, and yeah, it's already scary. They just, yeah. just like it. You don't piece. need to scare that crap up. Yeah, it, it, it's a very odd movie. Um, it's an Australian movie, and it's it stars like the only person I recognized was Emily, El, Emily Mortimer. Uh, you would recognize that name if you watch the newsroom. Mm-hmm. Other than that, uh, she's she's been in a few things, but I, I can't I couldn't think of them off the top of my head. 
I was with the movie mm-hmm. all the way to the end. Like it's it's a very slow burn in the beginning. The last mm, twenty minutes are very ramped up, and then the very end is just odd. So I didn't know <laughs> wh- how I felt about it in the end. Um, okay. I would definitely suggest other people watch it though, especially if you like horrors and uh, s- slow burn movies. The other movie I watched was Antebellum, which is a very was a was I think was going to be a very big movie this year had uh, uh, yeah. pandemic not taken out movie theaters and people going to see movies. It stars Janelle Monet, and it's all about the trailers. The trailer depicts it as one woman that's kind of in two different time periods: uh, slavery, slavery era. Um, Civil War and then Modern Time and the trailer really wants you to try and figure out why it is that she exists in both time periods. Mm-hmm. I think right away I figured out why and it turns out that I was right and ah, after okay. that I was just kind of like I didn't understand where this movie was supposed to be going and why they were doing what they were doing. So as much as I liked it I was also very disappointed by it. So this is this mirrors almost exactly the way that I felt during Upgrade. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, during Upgrade, like I, the ending they they telegraph it. Yes. Super freaking early. This is true. And like, I, while I still enjoyed myself the whole time, at the end of it, I was like, that was the that was the whole thing. <laughs> so, but you said um, we talked about this a little bit before um, the other day. I like Janelle Monet a lot. And I really want her to get to act in more things mm-hmm. in general. But I, I feel like everything that she gets to be in falls short of expectation. Is like I don't know if I'm wrong on that one. Oh, well, I would say that, I mean, because really the only other thing I can think of at the moment, other than uh, that Amazon original uh, Electric Dreams... <laughs> Uh, that would definitely fall what you were saying as falling short but uh, would be Hidden Figures which I mm-hmm. absolutely loved I thought that movie was great oh, yeah. <laughs> her role is not as meaty as the other two actresses roles in that though and I can understand that Like as for her it might have fallen short but the rest of the movie <laughs> is great um yeah, I, I can see. I mean, she is definitely going to be getting more starring roles, and I can only, I'm only going to be happy to see her in more things. Uh, I know there was a while there that there were talks of her maybe being Batgirl in a live action movie. So Ooh, that's a that's a possibility, but I don't know. Hmm. Anybody else get a chance to see Antebellum? No, no, <laughs> no. I was definitely kind of interested in it, though. It looked. Really, I think that I also want to say that the trailer makes it out to look like it's more of a supernatural horror, but it's definitely Aww. not. It is Aww. not that. It's not a horror Aww. at all. It's a social class horror. Uh, I don't need that right now. I, yeah. <laughs> social class racism horror kind of thing. So, uh, those were my week's watch. Steven, was there something that you'd like to go back to? Oh, okay. Yes, please. Uh, thank you. So the thing that I watched this week that I was so excited about talking about and uh-huh. I just completely whiffed it on was Ted Lasso. I finally started Ted Lasso. 
That's awesome. I've been wanting to watch show. that show. Say, say again, Mitch. I have no idea. Oh, I just said I've been wanting to watch that show. That's so that's awesome that you oh. got the chance to watch oh. it. Yeah, I finally I finally got around to it. Um, Ted Lasso is from Bill Lawrence, the creator of Scrubs uh, ah. and several other shows that people didn't watch. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, honestly, but yeah, it's, Ted, Ted Lasso. The whole the whole idea for it is that there's a an American football coach who out of nowhere gets taken to go coach football in the UK. So okay. soccer for American people who don't yeah. know the difference. So he, he goes over there to go do this. Uh, he's this kind of like happy-go-lucky kind of character who's eternally peppy at, at, at all times uh, and knows literally nothing about the sport. <laughs> okay. Who doesn't know soccer uh, on like a professional kind of scale like this. Like the last time I played soccer, really, uh, I was like eight. I, I played for funsies with friends, but you don't do any rules in that situation. It's just the ball goes through that. Uh, it's really funny. It's really freaking funny. I get why people like it on that level. Um, where I'm at in the series so far, I can't speak to any of the stuff that Bill Lawrence is so well known for, where you watch a like a big old yuck em up kind of thing. But then at the end of it, you're like, oh, they got my heartstrings too. Mm-hmm. So I can't. <laughs> much of that but there is definitely a good portion of that in there already i'm really curious to see how that pays off with how highly people have been praising that season finale i mean you should also mention that it stars jason sudeikis yes with a mustache with a mustache so (laughs) okay (laughs) you've got jessica on board (laughs) it also like it 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 comes from a commercials, a set of commercials that Jason Sudeikis did, like as this what? Ted Lasso character. <laughs> yes, it's like a Nike commercials or something like that. Uh, and they then Apple Apple Plus is like, sure, let's make a TV show about it. So, <laughs> Apple, oh, it's on Apple. Apple TV Plus. Yeah, Apple that's Plus. right. Ah, oh, yeah. darn it. <laughs> that's why the rest of us have not watched it. <laughs> yeah. I end up getting it, aren't I? Because there's something else on there that I was like, ooh. Oh, Apple. There's a new, there's a new animated wolf. film. From that's the, what it is. Yes, that's what it is. I didn't. I was like watching it, and it's like Wolf something, and I was like, that looks like the Kells one. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm, it's about wolves, and I am all over wolves. I'm like, I want to watch it. Apple TV. God. Damn. Like, yeah, no. I'm, I'm mad about it being on there. It should be somewhere where people will actually watch it. Yes. Same yeah, I've I've been wanting to check out Mythic Quest and Morning Show, but yeah, the Morning Show too. Yeah. So there you go, Ted Lasso. If you like uh, Bill Lawrence's, you know, ability to make you laugh and then also make you cry because something sad happens. <laughs> what do you think we are right now? Oh, how dare you! Why would you bring that episode up? <laughs> There is our week's watch. Let's get into talking about The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 6, Chapter 14, The Tragedy. <laughs> chapter 16. Chapter 16, 16. The Tragedy. My, my bad, I'm sorry. <laughs> you gotta get this whole title right. We gotta start over again. Let's go back to the beginning. Welcome back to another shift on The Geek's Watch. <laughs> we, are, we are watching Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 6, Blue Harvest. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's season three. That's going to be season three. Uh, it's something, 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 baby Yoda. That's right. <laughs> I just want to start off the conversation with 
how sad is everybody that the Razor Crest is now gone? That's right. It has blown the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> they give us a thing. Uh, and I, I'm sure that at least two people in here will agree with me on this one. I don't need that stupid new ship now. I've got that stupid old ship. Oh, the oh. slave one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is, is I also f- an upgrade. I, I also find <laughs> that it, hilarious that he uh, either abandoned his armor after he got out of the Sarlacc pit or lost it, but yet kept the slave one. So I have a theory about this now from having watched this show. Uh-huh. It's basically just a t-shirt glued to the pieces <laughs> of, of Beskar. So yeah, no wonder being inside some like stomach acid with this giant Sarlacc monster that everything else just fell off of him and he didn't have it anymore. It <laughs> looks so bad. Because, yeah, because a, he's a lot like bigger. a space suit that's sealed. Why is this? <laughs> Star Wars residents? So, I, I guess uh, if we're going to, if, if we really want to break down just the, the logical progression of what happened here, it's uh-huh. most likely since it looks like he was rescued by sand people. I mean, he was wearing like one of their mm-hmm. overcoats and had a gaffy stick. Mm-hmm. It's very likely that they found him. Somehow he survived and got out of the, the Sarlacc monster. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of hint that it was probably a, a crate dragon that ate the Sarlacc. And he probably somehow just like got pooped out or something. Well, his face is all <laughs> messed up. So I'm assuming it had something that had to do with it. Yeah, you definitely had to have some acid land on them at some point. The, even the armor looked like it's definitely worse for wear. My theory is he survived, but he was definitely in a bad shape in the desert. So Tusken Raiders just stripped it off because you don't need that. <laughs> just just take it off. You know, give them some water skins, maybe some, uh, you know, give them some bantha toothbrushes. And then Jawas came by at some point, saw something shiny in the desert. That's what they do. They collect it. They took it. And he's been trying to get it back ever since. The slave one, much easier to explain. You parked that at a spaceport. It was either back at Mos Eisley or if at Jabba's Palace they had a landing pad, it was probably still there. He like, just that had wasn't a lot of out- fees to pay for keeping it parked. <laughs> <laughs> Overdue parking fees. <laughs> it's also notoriously famous for being like very well like booby trapped. So uh, people probably were like, yeah, we're not even going to touch that. <laughs> I, I mean, I, that, fine. That's all well and good. Uh, the fact that he had never found his armor with the Jawas, if if he wanted it back, then that that I find that weird because he was just tooling around Tatooine. At least we know he was back there during season one because he went and resurrected Fennec. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Ming Na Wen gets to come back. <laughs> Which is going to bring me to a, a theory of mine once we get to later in the episode. But um, it's just Star Wars theories, everybody. Whoa! It's a terrifying. It's a terrifying thought. I know, right? <laughs> but uh, going back to what Steven said, so I, I know that stormtroopers are pretty much worthless, and obviously their armor is completely worthless. But uh, the sh- when they're shooting at him at at uh, Din Djarin, like they're shooting only at the breastplate when like all of that neck and like upper chest is uh, available. Like that's not covered by Beskar. Like there is so much of him that is not covered by Beskar, and he's throwing his body in front of like Fennec. I the whole time I'm like, that's just dumb. 
I, I, we've, we've all accepted this. Stormtroopers <laughs> just can't shoot. That's the thing. Yeah, you shoot at the middle of the target. You shoot at the chest. That's probably their training. I mean, and it was I, all their program to do. They're not smart enough to think, maybe I should find another place to shoot. That's just... <laughs> That kind you know, of independent have, thinking gets you I had a question released the, from uh, stormtrooper that, duty. Yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> for for the Star Wars people here. Oh no. Is this the first time that we've ever seen stormtrooper armor just get shattered like this? Yes. Yeah, I think so. E- even in um in Return of the Jedi where they stormtroopers get the most physical abuse from like Ewoks. physical <laughs> objects like blood <laughs> objects. Um they the worst you ever see is maybe a few scuff marks on helmets. Yeah, um, yeah this is the first time. Uh, this one and in the end of last season when the armor takes out like five stormtroopers also. Uh, yeah, you just see that that armor is completely useless. It just th- shatters. Yeah, I think there's something about it too because you got to remember you're dealing with the Empire that's no longer the Empire and is running ragged and just kind of sort of trying to... Hold on to people. And I feel like somebody did make the point that they're probably using very cheap products to make these suits. They're not using what they used to use before, basically. So they're not that durable anymore because it's cheaper and we need bodies. We don't need good armor, basically. <laughs> I, I just like seeing that happen. I was just like, uh, this This makes this feel so much more, I guess, ah, this, this word's overused, but it felt more visceral. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like it was. It, I was more present in the fight with them. Uh, I, I was like, "Whoa!" I will say this: well, see, this one episode did for me. A person who's only watched the Star Wars movies and nothing outside of that did more more for me to liking the character of Boba Fett than the two movies that he appeared in because he was yes. obviously a badass. Honestly, yeah. I have watched the other shows that like young Boba Fett was in. I haven't read Legacies or anything, but like young Boba Fett was a little poop head. I like I did not like him at all. I don't understand why people like him. I like this older Boba Fett that has grown out of that crap. So well, I'll, I'll, I'll just was, say like, this. A little I'll... mini rage filled gangster. Basically <laughs> what he was in Clone Wars. <laughs> I, I love Tamor Morrison. Like I think he's a great actor, and he should be in more things. Yeah. If anybody's ever gotten the opportunity, you should watch Once Were Warriors. is a mo- movie from New Zealand where he stars in it. Amazing movie. But that's neither, neither here nor there. Uh, yeah, Boba Fett kicking Stormtroopers' asses with a gaffy stick. <laughs> uh, John, you, you were going to say something, I think, still about the armor stuff? I was. I think so. I could be wrong. Yeah, I cut you off. Uh, I probably was. Uh, it'll come back to me if it's important. <laughs> <laughs> so how was it that Finnick died in the first season again? She was shot, right? Yeah, she by the other guy. There was like an up and coming. She had like hydraulics in her belly. Why does she have hydraulic things in her belly? I said, I think I said, I paused it and I was like, ooh, she's got a Vader belly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, how did he do that? Star Wars magic. Vader figures had like a removable belly flap and you could just like see his cute little innards. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, I, I like this idea. Like all, I all really don't. Can we not? <laughs> <laughs> you would like dunk him in water, and then the belly would become transparent. 
<laughs> He's becomes mutagen man. Oh, Let's not. Let's just not. <laughs> yeah, so in their episode that she premiered in the first season, there was that young hotshot bounty hunter that wanted to prove himself to the guild. So he enlisted Mando to help him capture her. And then uh, when she was telling him, like, yeah, so, like, we can betray him. And, like, there's a, like, this big bounty because of the thing that he has, that baby Yoda. And so he double-crosses her by giving her a gut shot. And yeah. then Mando realizes that he's double-crossing them, and then he kills him back. So, yes. And then we, we saw the shadowy figure or the dark figure come up to her at the end of the episode. And we were all wondering who that could possibly be. I think we eventually settled on it being Moff Gideon, but obviously it wasn't. Nope. The spur sound effect should have given it away. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Oh, which is the thing I wanted to talk about. We This episode was directed by Robert Rodriguez, which is amazing. Like, this is back to... Uh, Desperado and El Mariachi like kind of movie for him. Like he did an amazing job. He even like if you remember like from El Mariachi, Desperado, or Dust from Dust Till Dawn. Like there's weird places that he likes to just shove guns. <laughs> <laughs> and in this, like Boba Fett shoots from his knee. I don't know if that's a thing in the Star Wars before this, but like that to me was very Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, that's that's part of his thing. But yeah, when you mentioned that, I thought about yeah, you know what? Nobody had a revolver in their crotch in this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is true. That didn't happen. (laughs) Uh, But yes, like he even does the gun twirl, puts it into his you know uh, holster, and that got that got a laugh out of me. Why is it that if you have a Death Star? And you are finding planets to blow up. Do you and you do not like the Jedi? Do you not blow up their like very spiritual planet of Typhon? Okay, there is like five million spiritual planets for the Jedi, and you do also still need resources that also come from those planets. But I mean, they have a whole galaxy full of planets. So yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, it's also like there's spiritual places everywhere. That the Jedi can connect to because the Jedi are more than just the Jedi. They're also like from these ancient peoples that used to live like thousands and thousands of years ago. So there's a bunch of holy places. Like who knows which one is actually a Jedi holy place? Who knows which one's a Sith one? And who knows which one is just the ancient people that the Jedi are going to (laughs) eventually take over? Like it's just. I mean, technically the Jedi (laughs) temple was built over the ruins of a Sith temple. Yeah. It's like they're interchangeable. You can't really separate them one from the other. Like all, what is it? All, all. I'm not gonna try this. Never mind. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on, try. Nope. Give us, the, give us a Stephen paraphrase. Mm-mm. I, 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 nope. I tried to pronounce that name. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, okay, then if you don't want to blow up the whole planet, like why leave this powerful like scene stone that? could be used by any Jedi that wants to come back, come back and bring the order back for plot for plot. For okay. Plot. That's fine. You know, why, why did the Mandalorian not ever try to get his little jetpack back on him with his little remote control that he has for it? Because they, they don't want him to be flying because around. They can't have him 
flying at the end to get Baby Yoda. Exactly. Like, no, that's exactly why. Why <laughs> yeah. does he try in 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 Boba Fett's backpack again? His jetpack. We saw the other mean? handsome cowboy man shoot the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but, but it had gotten replaced. I like that description. I love it. No, they use the like up, up, down, down, left, right, it's left. The right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's got infinite reload. But you also, I want to, I want to call out that that's that they 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 had an homage to a line from the Magnificent Seven right there with the. Nice shooting. Uh, I was actually or- aiming for the other one in the Magnificent Seven. Seven. It's I was actually aiming for the horse. That was, like, yeah, that was from uh, something else. Thank yeah. you. So I thought I was they, had, they, they actually had a lot of uh, um, callbacks in this one too, because Boba Fett, when he first appears to Mando, he says a line that his father said. Well, Django says that I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the galaxy like my father before me. That was a twofer. <laughs> he did that and also copied like uh, Luke. Mm-hmm. Well, Interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, what'd you have? The other piece was that they are not trying to build more Vader's or Palpatine. Oh yeah, that's right. They are just the dark, dark troopers. Troop- they're, they're droids. Yeah, they're death droids, basically. I really yeah. thought they were going to be able to part organic, right? From what we had yeah. seen already. Yeah. I think they are. Like, like ah, just the brain or something. Thing going on. Yeah, I think they're going to yeah. be cyborgs, or at the very least, they're going to be cybernetic enough that they can have like force ability. But they're definitely droids. Oh yeah. <laughs> they're Iron Man-esque droids. John Favreau threw in some more Iron Man in there. It felt like, like they like kit-bashed and like spray-painted black the Cylons from the BSG series yeah. on sci-fi. A little bit, yeah. A little bit, yeah. Well, there were not, dark troopers before that weren't droids. Like in Rogue One, wasn't those dark troopers that go and grab not her dad, Jyn Orso? Those are, te- those are technically death troopers. Or death troopers, Okay. Yeah. All the names. No, the, dark troopers, <laughs> the dark troopers do have history in Star Wars, going back to things like uh, the Jedi Outcast and the the mm. Kyle Katarn series, you know, type of games. Um, dark Forces, I believe, um, had them. Where, yeah, they're basically like they're like the super battle droid version of stormtroopers. Um, and uh, yeah, they get upgraded with force repelling abilities. So, like when Kyle Katarn then starts using the force and has a lightsaber, then you can't just hack these guys because these guys are also made of Beskar. So it's like basically the ultimate anti-Jedi uh, warrior, I guess you could say. And um, yeah, so. Well, they never sent them after Luke or Leia or Han, so. <laughs> Not that we know so far. Not that we know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. There's and then- a lot of good in here. And then it's all about the band getting back together. That's right. (laughs) You got to form the the posse, the squad, the band to go after the child. Like, obviously, that's all it took for Cara Dune, who was now all about the law and order to be like, but they stole the kid. they got the baby. Well, okay, then. (laughs) Well, fuck the law. Let's go. (laughs) Let's go. He walks up to her and he talks to her and it's the worst acted scene of any quick exchange <laughs> in the entire series. Like, I, there have been some poorly, poorly acted parts where he's talking to someone random or whatever. 
But the part where she goes, well, you, these stripes mean this. And it was just so bad. Look, you don't hire Gina Carano for her acting ability. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's you not don't hire Gina Carano. Well, now we don't hire Gina Carano anymore. But it, it, I mean, it, that a lot of her scenes are just cringeworthy when she has to do the acting part, like the fighting part. She's amazing. Yes, of course. Uh <laughs> But it's just it's just not great. So I, I don't know. It, it, you you have to give that part a pass. <laughs> it was so hard. <laughs> Again, they, like, they've got me at this point. I I was not here in a big way for the majority of the first season, but this one now, like with these last three episodes, I'm in a spot where I'm like, oh no, it's like. On, on Thursday, when I forget what day it actually is, I think it might be Friday, and then I think, oh, there's a new episode of The Mandalorian I should watch. And then yeah. I find out that it's Thursday, and I am at least a little bit kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. You're disappointed. That's right. <laughs> I wouldn't go so far as that. <laughs> uh, we, we obviously know that Bill Burr is going to be in the next episode because his character of Mayfield is, is mentioned in this one. I would 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 not have expected Bill Burr to be such a pivotal part of the show. Uh, it just seems like a completely different type of character for him. Um, also, question. So if the armor that Boba wears is the same armor that Django used to wear, does that mean that Din Djarin's character uh, armor is eventually going to turn green and red also? Not necessarily. Okay. Because so, Django's Django, armor was, so, was silver and blue also. Yes, the same with the Slave One. And uh, so we touched up on this, I think, uh, in one of the last episodes that we talked about. And uh, I did mention that Boba Fett does have Django's armor, but even though there's a difference in color. At some point, Boba Fett upgraded it. Um, but the color scheme is meant to be... Uh, I'm not sure what it's not exactly faded, but like the colors have inverted. Um, same thing with the the slave one because they the slave one and Django Fett's first generation armor essentially have the same color scheme, and by the time Empire Strikes Back comes around, they both match like equally and oppositely from what Django Fett's armor is. Um, so at some point during his upraising, now there's still this. This answered a lot of questions about Boba Fett and Jango Fett, especially in the little Easter egg hologram that was yeah. in the armor. Um, yeah, people have already decoded that, and they had some interesting info in it. What was but, it? Uh, what's that? What was it? I'll bring it up uh, for you. Go ahead. Yeah. I'll bring up the yeah. Cool, cool. So, um, yeah, basically somewhere along the way, uh, when Boba Fett started to cast or uh, create his own identity, um, mm -hmm. His armor did get customized to have different color variations on it. Um, he has that mythosaur, um, like kind of like mastodon tusk, uh, you know, icon that the, the, the Mandalorians use more frequently. Uh, that's one, one of his shoulder pauldrons, which wasn't on Django's. So there were some further modifications that Boba Fett did to kind of further differentiate himself. Um, but ultimately, it is the same set. And it's just where some of the colors where they used to be blue turned more reddish. And where it used mm. to be silver, it turned more greenish. Okay. 
So okay. I have that text here for you. Um, you guys remember the, the kind of like the layout of it? It was like yeah. a, a few rows of like just vertical lines, basically. Um, right. It said Foundling took into the year the uh, Concord Dawn, Mentor mm-hmm. Jast, Father huh. Fett, Boba Fett. Cool. So it's like okay. his, it's his birth certificate. That's pretty basically. Uh, and then the, the Concord Dawn is the name of... Uh, like it says Mandal's on planet. Is that Din Djarin in this situation? No, it's a Mandalorian planet. It's it's under the rule of Mandalore. It's a terrible article here. Mentor <laughs> <laughs> Jast is seemingly a reference to uh, Jaster Mareel, a prominent right. figure in the Mandalorian Civil War. Oh. Yep. Which he was well that... known in Legends. Hmm. Also, if you... Uh, I don't know if anybody else felt this way, but I've got really frustrated with Dinger in like trying a third time to go into the force field yeah. to get the kid. Like if it didn't yes. work the other two times and you got blasted really hard the second time, like, I was come up with something um, else. Actually kind of upset that he was all about using his name in the ship when they were flying there. And when he really needed to get his attention, he just kept on going, the kid, hey, kid, hey, kid. And I was like, you know, Grogu gets his attention. <laughs> like, we just had a whole cute little scene of you going, hey, Grogu, hey, Grogu. Like, he's a puppy. Yeah, he's and not he, a puppy. He needs to get his attention. Mm-hmm. You're like, kid. <laughs> the thing that he doesn't pay attention to. I'm surprised we haven't talked about it at all yet. But we got that scene at the end. Of Grogu, I'm yeah, pretty was, sure was he was bring force up. choking one of those guys. Oh, he was oh, yeah. force choking oh, yeah. it. Which, that you already knew that was happening because he kind of showed that he wanted to force choke somebody in the first season. He lifted his fingers up to do it, and then the Mandalorian shoots whoever it is. And then also, just Ahsoka Tano's like, "I'm not gonna train that." Like, <laughs> you just know he's got. You know, he's got fear and he's got trauma. He's a a killer. Yeah, he's got trauma. (laughs) Like, he's, and with fear leads to hate and hate leads to whatever. But (laughs) I mean, for a kid, it leads to the dark side. For a kid that was. We're over the most important detail, though. They had baby Yoda sized handcuffs. (laughs) (laughs) Which that to me was actually horrible because it's just the handcuffs from his previous. You know, entrapment. Like That's true. He, he's been through all this before. That's why he's so scared and using the dark side of the force kind of thing. But I, the force choke was hilarious to me. Even more hilarious was the the flipping tripping a stormtrooper with another stormtrooper. I think I watched five times. <laughs> well, that's what I was gonna say for someone that was not too long ago struggling to have a to get a ball to come to him through the air. He was tossing around stormtroopers like it was nobody's business very very easily. <laughs> Did, yeah, because he was tapping into the dark side. Yeah, the dark side of the force is significantly easier than the light side, so it seems more powerful. Well, and when I also it's actually not. Yeah, I also assumed that by <laughs> utilizing the seeing stone, it kind of that's what I was thinking. Yeah, unlocks <laughs> memories that you may have been pushing dormant. Yeah, and he was it was he was operating out of fear also, like yeah. Just like when the yeah. thing was, the bull thing was like charging. Yeah. And we got to see more of the dark saber, which uh, like mm. Moff Gideon was like, which what? <laughs> it looked awful. It like oh, scaled yeah. up. It did not it look like. Mm-hmm. It, 
it, why, yeah. like, why does it look so bad? The way that the way that it powered on, it looked like it was already stretched out, but they imposed like did like a like that. Yeah. Yeah. Why? It was not edited that great. It looked really unrealistic. It looked like the lamp post that you can buy now at like a Hot Topic or something. <laughs> but it kind of sort of also looks that way when it's even in the animated things. It just looks so unrealistic. Like it can't even really exist though. So I don't know if that's intentional because it's a dark saber. So it sucks in the light around it. So it should look unreal, but I don't know. I don't, I'll, take, good, I'll take yeah. it looking like it did when it's just sitting there, you know, when yeah. it's just on. It was the powering on thing that got me. It yeah. was, it was rough. So looked a little stretchy. My theory, and I, I, I'm totally with okay with everybody shooting it down, whatever they can, um, because one, I, you know, well, I guess. Are like people like Luke and Leia? Are they considered? I know this is a galaxy far, far away and a long time ago, but are they considered human? Yes. Yes. So it they is human. Okay. Human. If you want to call it human, so life expectancy and all that stuff is supposed to be about the same. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, there's ways to keep people alive or bring people back or almost from the dead, uh, as we saw with Fennec in this episode, this very mm-hmm. episode. And if I and I know we talked, I think we talked about it on air last week uh, when I said Mace Window Window coming back. But like, what if that is who Grogu touched while he was in the Sea and Stone, and then he shows up at the very end of this season? Because one, it would be similar to the 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 Iron Man, like with John Favreau. But two, uh-huh. if Boba Fett is sticking around, that's conflict because J- Mace directly killed Jango. Like, Ooh. that's 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 drama right there. That's why it's perfect. Exactly. Up to like a. So it'd be so great. I'm so for it. <laughs> I was gonna say, anybody is is there a possibility that he gets stabbed or hit by the force lightning, thrown off the edge, and still lives in Cor? Was it Corson? Yeah. 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 Corson. Yes, there is a possibility. I mean, in Star Wars, Wars anything's possible. <laughs> yes. I mean, more so now. It's like literally anything could happen right now, and yes. like the way that they're handling it most fans are like going to eat it up and I can't mm-hmm. wait. <laughs> do you I think character, do, personally, that's a, that's a dope cameo. And I'm, I don't even feel bad about being excited for it, for it to be a cam, a cameo. If it is a like, new character or a dope character. I didn't hear, I didn't hear what you said. Like a, a new brand new character. That's a mm-hmm. good cameo. Like someone else from something else that I already like. Oh, like how we had I got you. Convenience. So like it, it, okay. it ended up being Mace Windows' son played by Terry Crews comes in. <laughs> Sounds good. She was like a man. And be here for it. <laughs> uh, okay. Wow. Does anybody does anybody else think that we're going to get to see the Jedi that he touched uh, by the end of the season, or is that going to be next season? Hints. I think that's going to be end. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a setup for third season. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. I think we're going to see them at the very end of the final episode of the yeah. season, but there will not be any interaction until the start of the third season. Was there? Wait. Go ahead, Stephen. What's stopping it from just being Ezra? 
Nothing. He hasn't been found yet. Yeah, we don't know where uh, Ezra is. Yeah. yeah, we have we have established canon past this already for Ezra, right? Yeah, yeah. Damn, there, man. How far out is Ezra? He's with Thrawn, as far as we know. So he's, but I don't even. I still have yet to finish watching it, so I don't know where Thrawn is. So when did the but game with Cal happen? Prisoner. Huh? When did the game with Cal happen in the timeline? Cal, Cal that was around the same. No wait. No clue. No, 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 no. It was. During the early years of the rebellion, I think. So it was before episode four, I think. I want to say it's in the same time frame as like Solo. Okay. Yeah, around there. Hmm. Okay. I want to see Cal or something. I do. <laughs> but yeah, Cal, Cal could definitely have survived through. I mean, you don't know, but yeah, he could definitely pop up in the Mandalorian. It's not that far of a year difference. I'm, I'm sure we will, or, or I don't know who we'll see, but we're definitely going to see someone. I And I think as much as it'd be cool to be a new character, Steven, I think it will be someone from the established canon already. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got a lot of new characters in the uh, sequel trilogy, and uh, look how that worked out. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be Phasma. She's going to show up. No, I'm sure. <laughs> No, no, you know what? If they can make Boba Fett finally have a reason for why he is a badass, we might as well get one for for Captain Phasma as well. That's right. Her beginning yeah. her career. Uh, Phasma origins. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else that anybody would want to bring up on this shortest episode of the season, 32 minutes? Yeah, I think so. I think we got it. If, if no one has anything Star Wars related, I have another question that I just want to leave with people. Oh, that's right. The end <laughs> oh, dear. of the podcast. You guys don't have to answer this. Don't worry. Steven's had way too much time on his hands. About this. Why could Eliza Thornberry understand animals, but she couldn't understand Donnie? <laughs> I never watched a Wild Thornberries. Oh. It, it was past my, my time. <laughs> I'm just oh. saying. It wasn't past she my time. I just never watched like, it. <laughs> she could understand human languages and everything. And uh-huh. then she is given this ability to understand all manner of animals. Yeah. But then there's just one kid who's at, like, he's just. So he's not an animal. He's not human. So I would say <laughs> from, a, from a, uh, what's the. He's like Tarzan. Anthropoth- Anyways, from a scientific back, you know, understanding, maybe it's because there's no other person or no other being that can understand him for him to talk to, for her to be able to figure it out. But I thought he spoke almost like, okay, it's been years and years, and now I'm going to be looking up on Disney Plus to see if they have it. But um, (laughs) yeah, I was going to say, wasn't it a Nickelodeon show? Yeah, because it didn't it cross over with the Rugrats or something at one point? Yeah. They yeah. did. Oh right, I remember now. Yeah. Now I'm gonna be trying to find it. But didn't he speak like a dialect of monkey or something? He spoke caveman. Yeah, there you go. Basically. It says he was speaking some unknown language that she couldn't understand. So it wasn't he wasn't speaking some kind of animal. It was yeah, something like, else entirely. Yeah. I I have I have theories about this one. Uh, but I just want I just wanted to Leave that one out there. If anyone else wants to engage with me on this, um, you can find me on Twitter as at Peppermint Gent, which is short for Peppermint Gentleman. 
my name across all other social media. There you go. <laughs> if you want to talk to me about the Mandalorian and how much uh, I now respect more of Boba Fett than ever before, because all he was was a guy with a jetpack before, uh, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia GEM. John, where can people come fi- find you online? I am on Twitter at Magic Bollocks, or if you uh, read it in Spanish, Magic Boyoks. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, where can people find you online? Ah, uh, you can just find me on Twitter as JM Bailey writes. Please tweet me if you find out where I can watch the wild thornberries. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too lazy to find out myself. I bet you it's going to be on Paramount Plus when that starts next year because oh, it's God, it's a Viacom thing. Another Plus thing. Yeah. I mean, it's CBS all, Access all, or All Access will become Paramount tweet, Plus. Tweet at me if getting Apple TV is actually worth it. And I need like an essay proving why. <laughs> at least 1,500 words, please. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth, where can people find you online? You can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media on our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. Uh, that's right. And check out our website, geekelitemedia.com for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network. Uh, please, whatever podcatcher you use, rate and review us so it helps spread the word of our network. And we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash geekelitemedia. It's got bonus material that you can only get there if you're a patron. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to... Geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.